0: Blog Talk Radio You are listening to secrets revealed understand the book of revelation from start to finish today we are talking about the 666 antichrist prophecy and the beginning of the end listen live at 12 p.m central 1 p.m eastern today to pgm secrets revealed understand the book of revelation from start to finish in april of 2023 analysis and discussion Of the 666 Antichrist Prophecy with me, your Book of Revelation research scientists are happening live on PGN on Sundays at 12 p.m. Central Time and on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Central Time. I invite you to share your perspective or pose a question about the Book of Revelation during the live Internet broadcast. You can do that using our PGN text number, 1214-505-8719 or using our PGN phone number, 1319-527-6027. Again, the PGN text number is 1214-505-8719, and the PGN phone number is 1319-527-6027. You can share your perspective, you can pose a question about the book of Revelation, or you can present your prayer request during the live internet broadcast or 24-7 using our PGN text number. Today we are talking about the beginning of the end and the 666 Antichrist prophecy. Let's talk about the beginning of the end, which is the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is the culminating work of the Holy Bible. It is the final book in a book that contains 66 books, and it ends this way. John the Revelator and Jesus Christ are speaking to you and to me, truth seekers. Here's what they say, beginning with verse 6 of chapter 22. Then the angel said to me, Everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God, who inspires his prophets, has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw all these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said, No, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers, the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book. Worship only God. Then he instructed me, Do not fill up the prophetic words in this book, for the time is near. Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously. Let the one who is holy continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshippers, and all who love to live a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. The spirit in the bride say, come, let anyone who hears this say, come, let anyone who is thirsty, come, let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person, the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes Any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. That is the way that the culminating book, the book of Revelation, ends. It ends with talking about what happens after Jesus Christ returns. After the return of Jesus Christ, there will be on this earth those who have transitioned from mortality to immortality, and those mortals who survived the plagues, which are the wrath of God, but who failed to make the first resurrection, who failed to participate in the rapture. And if they fail to make the first resurrection and to participate in the rapture, to transition from mortality to immortality, that means that they are perhaps one of the ones who is outside the city. You say, well, what city? The city is the center of the earth. After the return of Jesus Christ, it will not be London or Washington, D.C. or Lagos or Mexico City. These are wonderful places. But the center of the earth, when the kingdom of God is here on this present earth, will be the city. That city is Jerusalem. That will be the city where Jesus Christ has the center of his government. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says, "And Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. So Jesus Christ will rule and reign from the city, Jerusalem, from the time that he fights and wins the battle of Armageddon through the first 1,000 years of his government and beyond. So what about immediately after the Battle of Armageddon is won? There will be a transition period that's a 1,000 years, and there will be those who have transitioned, as I mentioned earlier, to immortality, members of the royal race, And there will be some who survived the Battle of Armageddon and the plagues that ensued, but they failed to make the first resurrection. And among those individuals will be, quote, reading from Revelation chapter 22, verse 15, the sorcerers, in other words, those people who read the tarot, who read palms, who practice astrology, who Are engaging in witchcraft Let's hear it again Outside the city are the dogs So are we literally talking about dogs as in an animal? No Dogs are defined in the Holy Bible In the book of Revelation as The sorcerers The sexually immoral The murderers The idol worshippers And all who love to live a lie So if a person loves to live a lie, you can interpret that many ways, but think about that. A person loves to live a lie. If a person is worshiping idols, what's an idol? It's a false god. If a person is a murderer, if a person is sexually immoral, if a person uses tarot cards or reads palms, Or practices astrology. What does it mean to practice astrology? To follow the timing of the sun and the moon, to read the horoscope, and to believe in that. So rather than seeking God and his wisdom and his blessing, a person seeks the newspaper to read what a sorcerer, an astrologer has said. So we don't want to be among the dogs. What does God say about sexual immorality and killing and worshiping idols and loving to live a lie? He abhors this. And so the take-home point, if you have found and followed God's plan for salvation, your past, present, and future sins are forgiven. But for those people whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and who fail to make the first resurrection, they will not be permitted to enter the city, the center of the universe. Think of it this way. Let's say you had never been to the United States of America, and so you come and you want to go to the city. And so maybe you say the city is New York City. Or you say, the city is Washington, D.C., where the White House is. Or maybe you say, the city is Los Angeles. Wherever you think the city is in 2023, you attempt to go to the city, but Jesus Christ, God manifests in the flesh, has created a protocol that disallows anyone who is a dog to enter that city. So any person, when the government of Jesus Christ is here, who is a sorcerer, a murderer, or sexually immoral, or worshiping idols, or loving to live a lie, will not be permitted to enter. Now let's talk about the beginning of the end. So the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word Was God And in Revelation chapter 22 It says In Chapter 22 In the New Earth Prophecy Talking about the end It says And they will see his face And his name will be written on their foreheads And there will be no night there No need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. So in the end, the people of God, those who transition from mortality to immortality, those who survive the transition from the present earth to the new earth, will reign forever and ever after the end of the age, after the end of time, and for how long? For forever and ever, for the eternities of eternities. So the book of Revelation is a report on the beginning of the end. It describes... All of the events surrounding the second coming of Jesus Christ It also reports some of the events preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ As well as key events following the second coming of Jesus Christ So you could think of it this way The key event preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ Is the great tribulation which is The wrath of Satan The key event After the second coming Of Jesus Christ Is the battle of Armageddon Another key event After the second coming Of Jesus Christ Is the first thousand years Of the government Of Jesus Christ On this present earth That's called the millennial reign And a third key event After the second coming Of Jesus Christ is the great white throne judgment. This is where all of the dead who are in prisons of darkness, who are in Hades, they have been disembodied, they've experienced the first death, but they failed to ascend to heaven because they rejected the truth. They failed to find and follow God's plan for salvation, so they are awaiting They are awaiting the great white throne judgment Where their case will be heard And tried And ultimately a determination about Where those individuals will reside Forever and ever will be made And we're told all of the individuals Who participate in the great white throne judgment As litigants God on one side with his evidence, and each individual on the other side pleading his or her case, all of those individuals fail to win their cases, and it is determined that they will not be permitted to stay, they will not be permitted to continue on to the new earth, and that they will instead... Continue with eternal damnation. They will transition to the lake of fire that burns with fiery brimstone forever and ever. Friend and truth seeker, there are only two opportunities, two paths, two lines which human beings stand in. Either we are in line one, that's the line, for eternal life on the present earth, And the new earth to come. You say, well, how can you have eternal life on the present earth if you're in heaven? How can you have eternal life on the present earth if you are dying uh, from old age? Easy. It happens easily. It happens because it's the promise of God. God is omniscient, all-knowing. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. And he is the truth. And he tells us in First Thessalonians chapter 4 that all who have died in Christ at the second coming will return with God. And when they return, their spirit and soul, their mind, will, and emotions, which are perfectly intact, their spirit and soul, which are two. So they are right now two in one. They are disembodied spirits. All of those who have died and who are in heaven, their spirit and soul will go from being disembodied to being embodied. Literally, their DNA that remains either in the earth or in the sea, it will be reconstituted and invigorated. With of God, with the power of God, any DNA errors will be completely removed. And this time, when those individuals put on their bodies, it will be a permanent body, a peak performance body, a forever body. The, the Bible refers to it as a perfected body, a glorified body. And those of us who are here... On this present earth at the time of the second coming, we too will transition from mortality to immortality. We're told that it will happen in the blink of an eye. We too will transition from a body full of DNA errors due to the sins that we have committed and the sins of Adam and the sins of other forefathers and foremothers that we have. Have you noticed that illness tends to run in families, physical illness, mental illness, The curse is real. All of the earth is cursed. We await the second coming of Jesus Christ so that we can be delivered from the curse. So that we can have eternal life. And where does eternal life happen? It doesn't happen in heaven, which is a temporary storage tank. Randy Chandler has referred to heaven as a temporary storage tank. Randy Alcorn has returned to heaven as a layover, has referred to heaven as a layover. Both are great metaphors. That's what they are. So any person who goes to heaven is there temporarily. They're coming back to this present earth. You and I, as truth seekers, every person in line one will live in a peak performance body on this present earth, you say, well, for how long? For a thousand years. And after the thousand years has finished, we transition from this corruptible earth where trees can die, where some waters are polluted. We transition from this present earth to a new earth, a new earth. That is like Eden, a new earth that has no evil on it, a new earth where no person has ever been murdered, a new earth where no sins have ever been committed, a new earth where Satan has never inhabited. Don't you want to be on that new earth where According to Revelation 21, in the New Earth Prophecy, it says, On this new earth, death shall be no more. Neither shall there be anguish, sorrow, and mourning, nor grief, nor pain anymore. For the old conditions and the former order of things have passed away. And this prophecy begins with, then I saw a new sky, heaven, and a new earth. For the former sky and the former earth had passed away, vanished. This new earth is in the future. So in the future, all who are in line one, who's in line one, every person whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life every person who is among the wheat, every person who is a sheep, every person who's among the good fish. Now, who's in line two? And I'm asking you a rhetorical question. Please answer honestly. Is it possible that you are in line two? Here's who's in line two. And every human being that ever was and ever will be is either in line one or line two. Here's line two. All of the people whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, all of the people who are among the tares, all of the people who are among the bad fish who will be thrown out, all of the people who are the goats. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice, and another's voice they will not follow. If you do not hear the voice of God, is it possible that instead of being among the sheep, you are currently among the goats? The goats are in line two. The wheat will be gathered up. and will be a part of the harvest. will transition from mortality to immortality. The tares ultimately will be gathered up. You say, well, where does that happen? At the great white throne judgment described in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15 in the dead judged prophecy, all of the tares are gathered together. Each one has his or her case heard all at the same time in that same timing. A hundred percent of the tares, every single person whose name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, with the exception of the Antichrist and the false prophet, their case has already uh, their case has already decided a thousand years earlier, the Battle of Armageddon, but every other person whose name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life is gathered up. And why are, the, why are the tares burned? In Revelation chapter 14, it talks about that. Uh, the reason is God is a holy fire. And every person who fails to transition to eternal life on the new earth succeeds at transitioning to eternal life. In the lake of fire that burns with sulfur and brimstone forever and ever. So I ask you to seriously consider this question and to answer it. Do you hear God's voice? Because the Bible says, My sheep hear my voice, and another voice they will not follow. If you don't hear God's voice, is it possible that you are not among his sheep? Because God is not a man that he should lie. God is speaking to his children. Either a person is a child of God or a child of Satan. If you have not yet rejected Satan you are on his roster. If you have not yet rejected Satan, you are on team Satan instead of being on team Jesus. Now let's talk about the book of Revelation and how you can know the secrets in the book of Revelation. It begins with chapter 1. And we are told what the book of Revelation is. And what is it? It's a report. It's many reports on the second coming of Jesus Christ. Here's what it says in the preface to the book. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him. Now let's pause there. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. The Lord thy God is one. In his wisdom and power, he determined that it was necessary and good to give himself a human body so that he could die in our place because The law was the wages of sin is death, and he that sins shall die. So since I'm a sinner and you're a sinner and we inherited the propensity to sin from our forefather and foremother, Adam and Eve, that means that we were doomed to die except that Jesus Christ died in our place. So the book of Revelation begins with telling us how God the Father gave himself. Remember, God the Father is Jesus Christ. God the Father is the Father in human form. That's Jesus Christ. It says this is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant, John. So the book of Revelation was written down by John the Revelator. The formal introduction to the book of Revelation begins with verse 9. And here John is narrating, and he shares with us some quotes from Jesus who began to talk to him while he was on the island of Patmos. And he tells us, how did it all begin, his assignment to record the book of Revelation on behalf of God? So he tells us how it all began. He says, with the beginning of the formal introduction, verse 9 of chapter 1, I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering, and in God's kingdom, and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day, and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So then John shares a little bit more in the formal introduction, introduction, telling us what this voice, uh, who was speaking, and it turns out that it's Jesus Christ. He, tell us, he tells us what Jesus Christ looks like uh, as he's looking at him, and he tells us some of what Jesus uh, said to him. For example, in verse 19, Jesus says to John, verse 19 of chapter 1, write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. Now we get into chapter 2, and John, we're still in the first part of his experience. So he has two experiences with Jesus Christ. And so in the first part of his experience, he's told to write some things down For the seven churches They say well what are the seven churches How do I get to these seven churches Well we're in 2023 This is about 2,000 years ago And these were the seven churches That existed On the earth at that time And those Churches Included And they were named based on their location Those churches Included the church in Ephesus, the Bible says in chapter two, the church in Smyrna, the church in Pergamum, the church in Thyatira. And then when we get to chapter three, the letters continue with letter number five, which went to the church in Sardis. And then there was a letter for the church in Philadelphia and finally for the church in Laodicea. So we have John completing the instruction that Jesus Christ gave him at the beginning of his experience. Now, chapter four, something incredible happens. Something amazing happens. John is instructed by Jesus Christ as he's living on the present earth to come up to heaven. Let's hear it. Verse 1 of chapter 4 says, Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, Come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. Let's pause there. Chapter 4 of the book of Revelation is John's report on heaven. So this is the beginning of his second experience. His second experience is the experience where he was shown by an angel, 12 moving pictures, 12 visions, moving pictures, documentaries, if you will, about the second coming of Jesus Christ, including three documentaries about the events, following the second coming so he was shown visions when he was called up to heaven but before we get to his visions what did he see when he was in heaven so all of chapter four is his report on heaven so his report on the visions that he was shown those are the prophecies Those are the prophecies for you and for me as truth seekers. Those are the prophecies about the events leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ, the second coming of Jesus Christ, and the events that follow. But before we get to his visions, we get to what did he actually see when he was in heaven? So let's hear a little bit uh, in chapter 4. What did he see? Let's continue. Verse 3. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like Jasper and Carnelian, and the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. Have you ever noticed that there's some people who like to wear white? Uh, I remember when I was growing up, there's a certain... A religious group And if you're in that religion You can only wear white And you have to wear blue beads So I'm not in that religion And I'm not promoting that religion But there's something about wearing white So John tells us that in heaven There's one who sits on a throne And surrounding that throne Are 24 elders And all of the elders are wearing white Plus, they have gold crowns on their head. And we're told in Revelation chapter 19 in the marriage supper prophecy that when we transition from mortality to immortality, we get a new outfit. And guess what color the outfit is? It is white. Let's hear that. Let's hear that. That might be of interest to you. So I don't know if you like wearing the color white, but... I'm guessing you're going to love your outfit for the wedding day. That's the outfit that God gives you to wear when you transition from your mortal body, if you're here on the present earth, or where you transition from being a disembodied spirit into your new immortal body. Let's hear it. Revelation chapter 19. Verses uh, seven and eight, let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. Now, who is the bride? The bride is God's forever family. So we're told in the books of the Minor Prophets that Jesus Christ is the husband. And those who love him, those who find and follow his plan for salvation, will be with him forever. So we, as the body of Christ, we are the bride. We prepare ourselves by repenting of our sins, making Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, and receiving the free gift of his Holy Spirit. So what about your outfit? What are you going to be wearing uh, when you transition from mortality to immortality? It says that you will be given, quote, the finest of pure white linen to wear, For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. Hallelujah. And what are the people going to be wearing, by the way, when they come to fight the Battle of Armageddon? It says in verse 14 of the same chapter, the armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's go back to where we are. John's report on heaven. So he tells us many things. He describes uh, further the one who sits on the throne. As we look at the book of Revelation, we find out when we look in the seven seals prophecy that God, the father sits on the throne and also Jesus Christ sits on the throne to his right. And in addition, there are the 24 elders who are there in heaven and here in chapter four, uh, John tells us that he sees four creatures, four living beings Very interesting, um, John's report on heaven If you're curious about uh, the throne room It appears that John's describing the throne room He doesn't refer to it as the throne room But he talks about the one sitting on the throne He continues to describe him and the 24 elders And these four creatures and what they're doing That's all in chapter 4. So chapter 4 is the beginning of the second experience that John the Revelator has connected to the book of Revelation. It continues with him telling us in chapters 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, all the way through chapter 21, And the first five verses of chapter 22, John does an amazing job describing the amazing visions that he was shown in heaven. So what are these visions? They are moving pictures. He did not generate these visions within himself. These visions were created external to John the revelator and the angel In heaven was tasked With exhibiting With showing John the Revelator These visions Now what are they The first nine visions Are documentaries About the events Leading up to the second coming Of Jesus Christ And some actually include A report of the second coming The last three visions are about what happens after Jesus Christ has fought and won the Battle of Armageddon. The 10th vision is the millennial reign prophecy, Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 10. The 11th vision is the dead judged prophecy, what happens at the great white throne judgment, when all the people who are the goats, the bad fish, the tares, when their cases are heard, when their books are opened, What happens to them? We know what happens to them. They're thrown into the lake of fire. They're found guilty. They transition to eternal damnation instead of eternal life on the new earth to come. The 12th vision that John the Revelator is shown is the new earth prophecy. This is what tells us what is going to happen after all five of God's enemies are destroyed who are God's enemies the antichrist the false prophet satan the children of satan and death itself 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 26 says and the last enemy he destroys will be death in the 11th vision John the revelator is actually shown the moment in time when death is destroyed and that's how we transition in the 12th vision we transition from the present earth to the new earth and we're told there's no more death no more sorrow no more grief no more mourning no more pain you say well how is that possible because there's no more death and there's no more satan And none of Satan's children are here. There is nothing that is defiled, nothing that is cursed, nothing that is evil that will be on the new earth. So whatever you do, make sure you have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life because only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life are permitted entry onto the new earth where there's eternal life in a tangible peak performance body. That's immortality forever and ever. When you see your grandmother, your grandfather, your best friend, your uncle, your niece, your sister, when you see your neighbor, every person that you have ever known, any person in your bloodline, every person in the Bible, whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, we will all be in our peak performance glorified immortal bodies. Imagine that, friend. I was watching a program where uh, the narrator created these genealogies and called it the Book of Life and said, oh, I'm giving you your family here in the Book of Life. No, no, no. Only God has the power to give you your forever family on this present earth and on the new earth to come. And your grandmother won't be getting old and you won't be getting old. You'll be getting wiser. You'll be having more fun. You'll be enjoying life. You'll be growing in wisdom and knowledge. You have not lived your best day on this present earth yet. I don't care if you're 118, 92, or 22. You have yet to live your best day on this present earth. It's in your future. Make sure that you're cooperating with God. Make sure that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Make sure that when Jesus Christ returns, you are among those who will transition to a peak performance, 100% free of DNA errors body because that's God's best for you. Now you are free to reject it. You are free to accept or reject the truth. That's your privilege as a human being. Similarly, it's your responsibility As a human being to decide whether you are team Jesus, which means team eternal life on the present earth for the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ and on the new earth to come. Or if you are team Satan, which means you will take the mark of the beast on your forehead or on your hand if you're here during the great tribulation that period is coming up soon if you are team satan you are rejecting jesus and you are saying satan i am your child and i'm coming with you to the lake of fire that burns with sulfur and fiery brimstone forever and ever and i shall share your fate of eternal damnation." so What do you want? Do you want line one, eternal life? Or do you want line two, eternal damnation? You cannot fail to exist. You might say, I want option C. I just want out of all this. That's outside the scope of your authority and power. We all have a scope of authority. It's outside of the scope of our authority to decide when we are going to be born in time. It is within the scope of your authority to determine if you will spend eternity on the new earth or if you will spend eternity in the lake of fire that burns with fiery brimstone forever and ever. That is your decision. I hope, friend and truth seeker, that you will seriously consider what we are talking about, and that you will make the decision that reflects the reality that you want. Now, how does it all end? Talking about the book of Revelation and then going to the 666 Antichrist prophecy today. It all ends, we began this talk talking about how it all ends. Jesus says, look, look. In verse 7 of chapter 22, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. Now let's go to the words of prophecy in the book. So there are 12 statements of prophecy, beginning with chapter 5 and ending with verse 5 of chapter 2. We're going to look today, and every program in April we're looking at, The fourth statement of prophecy, there are 12 of them. So this year, each month, we're focusing on the statement of prophecy that corresponds numerically with that number. So in January, we looked at the first statement of prophecy. And then in February, the second and March the third, and now it's April, it's the fourth month of uh, the year. So we're looking at the 666 Antichrist prophecy, chapter 13 of the book of Revelation. Is the 666 six, six Antichrist prophecy. Now the first statement of prophecy is the seven seals prophecy. The second is the seven trumpets. The third, the 666 six, six Antichrist prophecy. The fourth, the 1260 days prophecy. The fifth vision, John the Revelator was shown. The fifth statement of prophecy is the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. We're going to be talking about it next month in May. Who were the 144,000? We're going to be talking about that and answering that very interesting question very specifically. Very specifically, God has opened that secret to us. We're going to be looking at that in the month of May. In June, the earth-reaped prophecy. In July, the seventh statement of prophecy, we'll be talking about the 7 Plagues prophecy. In August, the purple and scarlet prophecy, who is the harlot church? That's the purple and scarlet prophecy. What happens to the harlot church after the wrath of Satan, which is the great tribulation? Then there's the wrath of God. Something very specific. Some things happen to the harlot church. We're told in that prophecy, come up out from among them so that you do not partake of her plagues. Come out from among her. Talking about uh, them, the harlot church. We'll be talking about that in August In September. We'll be talking about the Marriage Supper Prophecy. That's the Ninth Statement of Prophecy. And, of course, you know, the Tenth Statement of Prophecy, the Millennial Reign Prophecy, the Eleventh, the Dead Judge Prophecy, and finally, the Twelfth Statement of Prophecy, the New Earth Prophecy. So what about the Great Tribulation? Let's hear it. Chapter 13, let's hear the secrets. We're going to unlock these secrets first. Let's hear the 666 six, six antichrist prophecy. It's all of chapter 13 in its entirety. John, the revelator says telling us exactly what he was shown. This documentary about the three and a half year, great tribulation. He shown secrets. What's the false prophet going to do? What's the antichrist going to do? Uh, what about this mark of the beast? He shall me secrets. Uh, why? So that you and I would be prepared. Here it is. Then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. It had seven heads and ten horns, with ten crowns on its horns. And written on each head were names that blasphemed God. This beast looked like a leopard, but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave the beast his own power and throne and great authority. So let's pause there. John the Revelator was shown the ten-nation alliance. This is the one world government that will dominate economic and political affairs during the Great Tribulation, which is soon to happen now, this ten-nation alliance, which is referred to as the beast, will be given power. How, how is it that it all of a sudden we transition from the great uh, superpowers of the world being the United States of America and uh, being perhaps Russia and China? How do we transition from these nations being dominant uh, figures, uh, Dominant nations, particularly the United States, how is it that we now all of a sudden are at a point in time where there are these ten nations that include the leopard, that's Germany, and Russia, the bear, and the lion, that's Great Britain. These are three of the ten nations. God tells us this in Revelation chapter 13, verse 2. These nations are going to be empowered by Satan himself. Satan is the dragon How do we know that The dragon is identified as Satan In Revelation chapter 12 And in Revelation chapter 20 Let's continue I saw that one of the heads of the beast Seemed wounded beyond recovery But the fatal wound was healed The whole world marveled at this miracle And gave allegiance to the beast They worshipped the dragon For giving the beast such power And they also worshipped the beast. Who is as great as the beast, they exclaimed, who is able to fight him? Then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God, and he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. Let's pause there. The beast is the ten-nation alliance, and by extension, its mouthpiece, the Antichrist. And we're told that the beast will have authority for 42 months. So the great tribulation is not 84 months. So 84 months would be seven years, right? 84 divided by 12 is seven, but 42 divided by 12 is 3.5. There are 12 months in a year. We're told very specifically here in Revelation 13, as well as in Revelation chapter 12, that the beast has authority for a finite period of time. That means a period of time that is defined and limited. And that period of time is precisely 42 months, which is three and a half years. Now, an interesting thing uh, about the religion of those on the earth at this time is noted. It says, They worship the dragon for giving the beast such power. Now, who's they? Earlier in this verse, it says the whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. So the whole world is going to marvel when one of the heads of the beast, most likely the Antichrist, is going to appear that this head has died. But the fatal wound, so the deadly wound is actually going to be healed. It is, in fact, a miracle. But the miracle is not performed using the power of God. It's performed using the power of the dragon, the Satan, Satan, the dragon, the beast. So it says they worship the dragon for giving the beast such power. So when this head is wound... The people who belong to this world, so not those who belong to the kingdom, but the people who belong to this world, those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, they're going to actually worship Satan. How do we know this? It says, they worshiped the dragon. So in other words, they worship Satan. Why? Quote, for giving the beast such power. Well, what power did the beast have? The beast was able to have his fatal wound healed. So instead of saying, wow, Jesus Christ died on the cross and came back to life and ascended into heaven, let me worship God, God the Father who came to earth and gave himself a human body to die on my behalf. Instead of reading the Bible, receiving the truth of God, hearing the word of God, instead of worshiping the true God, they worship Satan, the arch enemy of God. Let's continue. It says in verse 6, let's go back to verse 5 so we transition uh, fully. Then the beast was allowed to speak great great blasphemies against God, and he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. Let's pause there. What are the key prophecies here? The Antichrist will lead... The one world government, which includes 10 nations, for 42 months, the Antichrist is going to blaspheme God. The Antichrist will slander heaven, say negative things, tell lies about heaven. The Antichrist is going to wage war against Christians, and he will be empowered to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. So that empowerment will likely come from some international organization. Now, what are some examples of international organizations? Well, we saw with the COVID epidemic that the work of the World Health Organization suddenly became super important, not only to people who live in third world nations where they need uh, lots of help and intervention with things like malaria and polio, but the World Health Organization became relevant and impactful at a key level for people all over the world. So people in Europe, people in Australia, people in the United States of America, people who live in nations that are very wealthy who traditionally give money to the World Health Organization, but haven't been super impacted in terms of what they are doing in those nations. However, during the time of the Great Tribulation, there will be a world organization, perhaps it's that one, or perhaps it's the United Nations or or another organization that will uh, allow the Antichrist to, quote, Have authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. Now it tells, us, it tells us here. It says again, all the people who belong to this world. Let me share something. Throughout the book of the Revelation, the book of Revelation, we see this phrase again: all the people who belong to this world. So that's very different than saying all the people in the world. You need to know that, or otherwise you will be very frightened when you see some of these prophecies. Whenever the book of Revelation includes this language, all the people who belong to this world, it's telling you that those are the individuals who are not in Christ. So those whatever prophecies are connected to that, those are things that are happening to the goats, the weeds, the tares, the bad fish, Every person who's a children, a child of the night, the children of the night, every person who's team Satan, every person whose name, again, is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So we're told that every person whose name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life is going to worship the Antichrist. Now you might say, uh, some people would say, perhaps this isn't you, but some people would say, Uh, I don't worship anything. I don't worship Jesus. I don't worship Allah. I don't worship Buddha. I don't worship anything. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. The way of a man or woman is not in him or her. During the Great Tribulation, the supernatural activities, the miracles being performed by the two witnesses, and by the false prophet in tandem with the Antichrist are going to be so powerful that everyone is going to worship something during this time. So there are people right now who are saying, I'm, I'm following option C. There is no option C. They're, they're deceived. If you think you're following option C and you say, well, I just don't believe in God, that's not true. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, who is God, then you believe in Satan. Satan. If you don't believe in God, that means you're rejecting God, and every person who rejects God receives Satan. So either an individual is receiving God and rejecting Satan or rejecting God and receiving Satan. During this time, not only will people uh, reject God and receive Satan, which people are doing today, But people are going to actually worship the beast. So you want to be aware of the reality that worshiping the beast is going to become something that the vast majority of the world, in fact, it says all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. When is this going to happen? This is going to happen during the Great Tribulation, during the 42 months where the Antichrist is ruling and reigning on this present earth. Let's continue. Verses 9 and 10 of the 666 Antichrist Prophecy in Revelation chapter 13 says, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone who is destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. Let's pause there for a second. So we have an interpretation of verses 9 and 10 verse uh verses 9 and 10 where it says this means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. I've been uh really uh, just as always prayerful uh, seeking the Lord to unlock the secrets to the book of revelation uh for me and for us so that I may share them with the truth seekers of the world. And just this week the Lord showed me something new prison there's a scripture in the bible where it says that all of the angels who went beyond the scope of their authority are now in prisons of darkness awaiting the judgment of the lord every human being that has ever existed is either on the present earth in heaven or in hades now if a human being is in hades that person is in a prison of darkness. Now, if a person dies by the sword, we see in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, a report of those who are in Christ during this 42-month period, some will die by the sword. It says specifically some will be beheaded on account In other words, because of their witnessing for Jesus Christ, testifying about the word of God. So we're told here anyone who is destined for prison will be taken to prison. Perhaps that's talking about uh, those whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Maybe it's talking about Christians. Who will be imprisoned during this time? Says so anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. So of course, there's uh, the sword from those who will be uh, killing Christians in places where that happens during the Great Tribulation. Now, not every country is going to uh, be following the edicts of the Antichrist. Although the Antichrist will be endowed with legitimate authority that authority will not be realized every place. Look at the world today. Let's take the United States of America, for example. Joe Biden has policies with respect to uh, immigration and the borders and finances, all kinds of things, but people are, are are failing to follow the law in his policies every day. Let's pause there. Uh Take-home point. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. The sword of the Lord is coming. After the wrath of Satan, there's the wrath of God, which culminates with the Battle of Armageddon. And at the Battle of Armageddon, the sword of the Lord will be used to destroy all the enemies of Israel. Jesus Christ will fight and win the Battle of Armageddon. But... Before the Battle of Armageddon, before that day comes, what are Christians to do? So during the Great Tribulation, we are to instruct many. We are to uh, encourage the body of Christ. Specifically, we're told to endure persecution patiently. Well, you say, well, for how long? God in his grace and uh, compassion has told us, We only have to endure for 42 months. You can do it. I can do it. And we have to remain faithful. So enduring persecution doesn't mean we go out to fight a mini Battle of Armageddon before the Battle of Armageddon. No, no, no. We're not told to do that. We're told to instruct many elsewhere in the Bible and here to endure persecution patiently. Only the two witnesses will be torturing the enemies of God by using the powers that they have been endowed with to uh, plague and hurt the enemies of God. We are not to attempt to create uh, the armies of God here on the present earth. Jesus Christ is returning with the armies of heaven. The Bible repeatedly says the Lord of heaven's armies, not the Lord of the earth's armies. Okay, so if you're in some kind of church or religion where they're telling you we need to get armed because the battle of Armageddon is coming and we need to this and that, please, please, true seeker and friend, go to the word of God. And it says in this 666 Antichrist prophecy, this means that God's holy people must endure persecution. It doesn't say fight persecution. It doesn't say rise up against persecution. It says God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. You say, well, why would God tell us to endure persecution? Because he's coming to fight and win the battle of Armageddon on our behalf. And we're told in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, every person who dies by the sword during this 42-month period is back on the earth after the Battle of Armageddon, in a new peak performance body. And when you come back on the earth, if you're one of the ones who happens to die by the sword, you're only going to be in heaven temporarily. And after the second coming of Jesus Christ, you're coming back in your glorified peak performance body, and you'll be back on this present earth and in the new earth to come forever and ever. So don't worry about that. Don't stress out about that at all. Let's continue. Verse 11 of chapter 13 says, Then I saw another beast come up out of the earth. He had two horns like those of a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of a dragon. So here we are told there's a second beast. There's the Antichrist, the head of the Ten Nation Alliance. And so by extension, he is referred to as the beast in addition to that one world government being a beast. But now there's a second beast beyond the Antichrist, who is the other agent of Satan during the Great Tribulation? It's this other beast, the false prophet. He had two horns like those of a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of a dragon. The false prophet will speak the words of Satan over the people of this world. Let's continue. Verse 12 says, he exercised all the authority of the first beast. And he required all the earth and its people to worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. He did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down to earth from the sky while everyone was watching. And with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he deceived all the people who belonged to this world. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast who was fatally wounded and then came back to life. He then, he was then permitted to give life to the statue so that it could speak. Then the statue of the beast commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. So when this statue is erected that will be commissioned by the false prophet, the penalty for failure to worship The Antichrist will be death. So every person needs to decide now, who is worthy of my worship? Is it Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, or is it the agent of Satan, the Antichrist? Anything that rejects the truth, the reality that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh, has the Antichrist spirit within it. So anything that involves worshiping someone or something other than Jesus Christ, that is a prelude to participation in worship of the Antichrist, the first beast. Let's continue. Verse 16 says, He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead, and no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, For it is the number of a man. His number is six, six, six. That is the 666 Antichrist prophecy in its entirety. Let's talk about the mark of the beast. As I was reading this earlier this week, if you were listening live on Thursday, maybe from the uh, the archives, you heard me say that it occurred to me that the mark of the beast, may reflect the name of the false prophet. But let's start with verse 16. It says the mark will go on either the right hand or on the forehead. And then later in verse 17, it says that the mark is either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. It occurs to me that that might mean that the mark on the right hand The mark on the right hand might be the name of the beast or the number, and then the other mark is the one that goes on the forehead. Let me say it this way. It might be that on the forehead goes the name of the beast, but if you don't want the name of the beast on your forehead, you can get on your right hand the number of the beast, which is 666, or vice versa. So in other words, this might be communicating to us that a person can either get the number, which will go on either the forehead or the hand, that number is 666, or the person can actually get the name of the beast. Now, why would Satan want the name of the beast to go on the forehead? Because he's... A plagiarizer and a liar And a thief and a copycat Whatever God wants he wants God says I'm going to put My temple and I'm going to live In Jerusalem so Satan says No I want Jerusalem I want to put my temple In Jerusalem so There have been more wars fought Over the city of Jerusalem Than any place on This earth and the Antichrist as an agent Of Satan will stand in the rebuilt third temple declaring that he is God. Why does he want to do that? Because God has said that he's going to stand on the temple mount and declare that he is God, and his people and the people of the world will worship him there. So Satan wants to stand there and have the people of the world worship him there. God has said in the New Earth Prophecy and Revelation Chapter 22, verse 4, that the mark of God will go on the forehead of his people. Every person whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, it says, quote, they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. When is this? This is when we're on the new earth, after the millennial reign and the great white throne judgment. And in Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, Jesus Christ says, I will write on him who's him, every person who's victorious so that every truth seeker who has found and followed God's plan for salvation, Jesus says to you and to me, I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which descends from my God out of heaven and my own new name. So where is he going to write this? Well, he reveals that secret to us. That's, uh, In Revelation chapter 3 and 22, you heard the secret of where is he going to write that. He says, his name shall be on their foreheads. So God promises to write his name on your forehead, but Satan wants you to allow him to write Satan's name on your forehead. Now, are you going to follow satan's agenda for your life which is for you to take the mark of the beast or shall you follow god's agenda for your life which is for you to have the mark of god on your forehead so every person is taking the mark either the mark of god or the mark of satan and that mark will go on the forehead if you are a child of god if you are a child of satan you can get the mark on your forehead or on your hand it'll Perhaps be your choice. Um, now let's continue here talking about the mark of the beast. It says in verse 17, no one could buy or sell anything without that mark. So you have to think about that. There's going to be an economy. Today we have a world economy. We buy and sell using Credit cards, uh, to some extent, we're still permitted to use cash, but that's been changing rapidly in the last uh, decade. In the upcoming world economy, no one can buy or sell anything without that mark. Prophet Randy Chandler's been talking about transitioning to a uh, a system to that part of the economy, a secondary, an economy that somehow is working parallel to the dominant world economy and the need to do that. So be aware that you want to find out how How do you exist outside of this one world economy. What economy is that? That's the economy of the new world order so that you can uh, thrive and continue during this 42-month period because if you want to be in the dominant economic system, you must have the mark of the beast. Now, what you say, well, can I take the mark and then as as we get to the end of the 42 months just, like, erase it or have that tattoo taken off? Nope. And I don't know if it's going to be a tattoo, but any person who takes the mark of the beast has pledged allegiance to Satan. Now, I remember years ago, I remember years ago seeing a movie. And in this movie, they talked about page 47. It was uh, one of the National Treasure movies. Now, I'm not saying that National Treasure uh, has the secrets of God in it. But there was an interesting thing that was said. The the hero of the movie is told to look at page 47, and it says that page 47 is life-altering. Now, each human being has 46 chromosomes. 23 of your chromosomes and 23 of mine are inherited from our biological father. And 23 of your chromosomes have been inherited from your biological mother. So together, you have 46 and I have 46. Now, what was on page 47? It's life-altering. The mark of the beast is life-altering. Salvation is only for human beings. The ability to transition from mortality to immortality is only for human beings, those individuals who have DNA that reflects that reality. That reality includes 46 chromosomes, not 47. Is it possible that the mark of the beast will change a human's DNA such that even if you want it to to find and follow God's plan for salvation, you would be ineligible for it because you are no longer human. A 47th chromosome, perhaps it includes the DNA of Satan himself or the DNA of animals or some uh, artificial intelligence. I don't know what the number 47 precisely means, but It occurred to me in that moment, this was more than 15 years ago, that what could be life-altering, inability, the inability to be eligible for God's salvation would be life-altering, transitioning from the possibility, the privilege, the invitation to participate in God's plan for salvation, to participate in eternal life to now being doomed to eternal damnation with gene, with genes, with whatever would go on chromosome 47. Friend, I don't know if the mark of the beast is a 47 chromosome, but the mark of the beast is life-altering. Whatever you do, make sure your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life Seriously consider looking at the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 38, so you can follow God's plan for salvation. Surely, surely, surely it's not possible to delete yourself from creation. It was not possible to add yourself to creation. A wonderful and omniscient and omnipotent God created every human being, and he came as Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, and he died on the cross to pay for your sin debt and my sin debt. Why does he need to pay for your sin debt? Why does he need to pay for my sin debt? Because the wages of sin is death. So there's the first death, but then there's the second death. Let's hear about the second death. The second death is what awaits every person who takes the mark of the beast. The second death is what awaits every person who will be resurrected for the purposes of participating in the great white throne judgment described in the dead judge prophecy in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15. Here is what the second death is. Verse 14 says. This is the second death the lake of fire in verse 10 of chapter 20 in the millennial reign prophecy talking about the lake of fire says the devil who had led them astray deceiving and seducing them was hurled into the fiery lake a burning brimstone where the beast and false prophet were And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever through the ages of the ages. Every person who's in line two, every person who takes the mark of the beast will be hurled into the fiery lake of burning brimstone where the beast and false prophet will be, where Satan will be, and all of those in that lake will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Verse 12 says, verse 12 of chapter 20, I also saw the dead great and small. They stood before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged, sentenced by what they had done, their whole way of feeling and acting, their aims and endeavors in accordance with what was recorded in the books. And if anyone's name was not found, Recorded in the book of life, he was hurled into the lake of fire. Make sure that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. We're going to continue talking about the 666 Antichrist prophecy on Thursday. If you haven't done so yet, I urge you today, according to Jeremiah 33, 3, to call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know.